Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and welcome to episode 835 with Dr. Sharon Melnick. Sharon has some just fantastic gems when it comes to handling stress and stuff that pops up, how to really deal with it in the moment in a way that has already been super helpful for me. So you'll learn one, how to deal with your stress response effectively, two, what to do when you're emotionally hijacked, and three, how to turn a no into a yes. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, please visit us over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP835. And if you're hanging out at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out our Golden Nugget email list, which gives you summary, actionable wisdom delivered right to your email inbox. You can read it in about two or three minutes, and you also unlock the whole vault of these summary write-ups. That's called the Golden Nuggets over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's a bit about Sharon. Sharon Melnick, PhD, is the premier expert on being in your power as a leader and an authority on women's leadership, resilience, and power. Her methods are informed by 10 years of research at Harvard Medical School and field tested by 40,000 coaching and training participants at over 100 Fortune 500 companies, startups, and women-led companies. Sharon is an international speaker and trainer whose presentations have created buzz at business and leadership conferences worldwide and also at the White House, West Point, and the United Nations. She's been selected as a Marshall Goldsmith. Hey, he was a guest. He's awesome. Top 100 coach. She's an executive coach for women executives entrepreneurs who hold the vision and drive results. She helps them have influence, prevent burnout, and end second guessing. She advises companies how to advance and retain their multicultural female talent. She is the best-selling author of Success Under Pressure, powerful tools to stay calm, confident, and productive when the pressure's on. Sharon is an avid runner, dance floor lover, and student of human evolution. She enjoys hosting the Power Shift podcast. Big thanks to Sharon for sharing her wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Sharon. Sharon, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Delighted to be here, Pete. Well, I'd love it if you could kick us off by sharing the story of the time you said, no thanks, when the White House asked you to come on over and present your research. <laughs> what a claim to fame. Well, you know, it was early on in my career, and there was one of those multi-artist rock concerts, and I went down to Washington, D.C., where it was being held, and as I entered the stadium, there was a cluster of people over to my left. I looked, and there was one person who I recognized. It was Tipper Gore. She was the wife of the then Vice President Al Gore, and she was a champion for like women's empowerment and families. 
Without overthinking it, I went right over. I shook her hand. Hi, I'm Dr. Sharon Melnick. I do research at Harvard Medical School. I help people from difficult childhoods be confident and resilient and kind of have the adult contribution that they want to. She's intrigued. We start to talk. We're having a little bit of an estrogen fest going on together. And at a certain point, she turns to her chief of staff and she says, Melissa, would you get Dr. Melnick's contact information? We want to bring her down to the White House to share the policy implications of her research. So I go home, I write up a little something, I send it off. Several weeks later, I'm lacing up my sneakers to go for a run. The phone rings. It's Melissa. And she starts telling me about all the initiatives that Tipper is doing around the country, helping millions of families. And she pops the question. She says, will you come down to the White House to share the policy implications of your research? So Pete, I picture myself around that table at the White House. And then I respond and I say, no. Well, I don't exactly say no. I I said, well, still trying to figure out what the research says, but essentially I declined an invite to the White House. Now, why? Why would I do that? Because like I said, when I was picturing myself around that table at the White House, I was thinking those people are going to judge me for not knowing enough. I thought that they would think that I wasn't smart enough. So I wasn't going to give them the opportunity to do that. What I did was I prioritized my own evaluation of myself over the contribution that I could have made for millions of people. In other words, I gave away my power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that that's powerful. And it's, it's interesting because I think I've totally done that on a different stages, different scales, maybe weekly or monthly in terms of, oh, this is a cool little opportunity. It's like, oh, but, or maybe have an idea. It's like, oh, I don't know if it's, it's really ready yet or if I'm worthy or even if I get a cool oh. email. I, I remember, I think I was in high school and there was a girl I met at journalism camp. I thought she was really cute and cool. And then she sent me an email. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then I wanted to really make sure to send her a very witty and clever and flirtatious and perfect email back. But then I didn't have any good ideas. And so then I just sort of let it slide and then it would get weird. Like, hey, thanks for your email a month ago. <laughs> and then We've all been there. She called me out. She's like, well, if you wanted to, quote, stay in touch, as you said, in the card, then da, 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 da. So, so yeah, that notion of you want to look good, to be awesome, be perceived well, gets in the way of doing some real good for folks. Well, what's a real takeaway from your story, and I think mine, is that other people might really want to hear from us and really want to get the best that we have to offer. But what we are doing is that we are being subjective, not objective, right? You know, it's all going through the filters of how we evaluate ourselves. And another thing I think I hear in your story is all the angst that went into <laughs> writing that email. Teenager living. <laughs> well, we've all been there, right? And it it's so relevant, actually, because when we're in situations that are uh, are stressful and especially situations where it feels like the other person 
is the one who can determine our worth, you know what I mean? Or how we should feel about ourselves, right? And however they respond to us is like a referendum on our worth. And it puts us into a mental swirl, right? And it has us go over things and over things and then maybe even be paralyzed and not take action. And that's a really good example of what it's like when we're out of our power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. So that ties together. I like your story a lot better than mine <laughs> for its illustrative power and and relatability. But maybe could you kick us off by sharing You've done so much research here. Is, is there a particularly surprising, fascinating, jaw-dropping discovery or insight you've made over the years about what it takes to be in your power? Yeah. So I'm going to share two with you. The first is not my research, actually, but it's a colleague of mine in the Marshall Goldsmith Top 100 Coaches, Ron Carucci. Oh, yeah. And he studied executives who rise into power for 15 years. And so he studied power and how you use it and what it looks like. And his finding was that the biggest abuse of power is not using it. And I say this uh, actually, because I think that we think of this idea of power as being a negative or selfish or a force other people and manipulative and all of that. And that's really only the case when someone is in power, in a position of power, but not in their power, right? So then they might act toward other people in a way that tries to get that feel good or feel one up within uh, themselves, right? So mm-hmm. the theme of what your story, my story, and what we're talking about here is the opportunity is when you're in your power is to be able to be good in you to have a sense of sovereignty, like you decide who you are. You have ways of filling yourself up or feeling confident and secure and valuable and worthy within your own self. And you don't have to look to people or get permission or hope or control them or any of the things, you know what I mean, that we uh, try to do in order to get them to act towards us so that we can feel that within ourselves. And that's really the essence of kind of being in your power, because when you know how to get back to good in you or stay good in you and not react in a situation, then the way that you act can actually make the situation better. It can get you the outcome that you want and not only make it better for you, but for everyone involved, for all the families that I could have touched with my research, for the romance you could have sparked, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If you had reached out. And I think that that's what most of us want these days. You know, it's like we want to use our emotional energy toward making a difference, not spinning, wondering what other people are going to think about us and trying to get them to think a certain way. Absolutely. So given all that, how would you summarize the the big idea or core thesis of your book in your power? React less, regain control, raise others. Yeah. So when you're not in your power, 
And let me just give a little context uh, here because, you know, and any of us can get kicked out of our power, you know, kind of at any moment. It has nothing to do with kind of your level of accomplishment or anything like that. I mean, you could be uh, a talented woman who feels, you know, overlooked or under uh, recognized in the workplace. You could be a leader of a team and you just can't kind of like get your people to live up to expectations. You know, maybe it's in your personal life where you have someone who is really selfish and difficult uh, to deal with. And what happens in these situations is that you can get emotionally hijacked. You can get into that mental swirl. And the problem is, is that the way that you try to make the situation better often makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And it kind of perpetuates the situation. So that's why it's really important for each of us to have the skills to stay in our power. Because when you do that, then when you act, you can actually get unstuck. You can get the outcomes that you want and you can make it better for everyone around you. So in my book, In Your Power, I, I try to really break it down for people. What are the things? What does it really look like? And it looks like a sense of agency, like you feel like you have control. It looks like a sense of sovereignty, like you decide who you are. And it looks like a sense of efficacy so that when you act, when you say things, it lands, you move people, you make it better, and then you just create a virtuous, a positive spiral from there. Mm -hmm. And I was intrigued when you said that sometimes the way we try to make things better makes things worse. Could you give us an example or two of, of some common ways that materializes? Oh, so many of these. So for example, I had a, a woman start coaching with me and from the very first moment, she starts off by saying, I can't take it anymore. <clears throat> right? So she's a very capable, competent person in her organization. And some of her peers are not doing all they need to be. And everything is rolling downhill onto her plate. Her manager is reaching out and interrupting her from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. And she's responsible for making sure that people around the world are getting paid, right? So she's in a very important position. So she, prior to us helping her to get back in her power, she was going to her boss saying like, okay, fine all hours of the night, just come to me and I'll fix it. She felt like she had to prove herself 24 hours a day in in order for her to be appreciated. She was blaming her peers in her head and telling them they needed to do it differently and nothing was changing. In fact, it just kept spiraling into more and more hours. She hadn't had dinner with her husband in a year. So this is an example of she wasn't really understanding what was the underlying problem in the situation. So just as an example, how she approached the situation is she brought all the people together who were involved and she really helped them to understand what the underlying issue is, kind of the anatomy of the problem, so to speak. And of course, when she had tried to get them to put things back on their plate, they don't have a lot of incentive to do that, right? So she just would be resentful and angry at them that they weren't voluntarily taking things back on her plate, but she didn't really understand how to influence them effectively, how to really put things in terms of what's in it for them so that they would be motivated to do these things. But when she did actually bring everyone along, she created a solution. She suggested a reorganization and actually they all went along with it. She was offered a $75,000 retention bonus and the CEO of the company called her in a meeting and said, we're putting you on the fast track for chief technology officer. So you got to like get busy grooming yourself. All right. Beautiful. And she was ready to leave, though. 
because she didn't feel like she had any power in the situation, but she had so much power to look beyond the finite problem and to look more toward infinite solutions that were available if she could just see them. That's cool. Well, in terms of how we get there, you've got 12 power portals, precision, perspective, physiology, purpose, psyche, proficiency slash persuasion, partnership, protection, powerful truth, people, and position. You may have noticed, listeners, these all start with the letter P. I would love to get your take on a couple of these portals that is just the most leveraged or effective in terms of just a little bit of effort gets you a whole lot of results. And for the result I'm particularly interested in is reacting less. Because <laughs> sometimes it feels, I think that's, that's in my experience, it really does feel like it's outside my power. Like I'm in less control of myself. And not that I'm just like screaming at people or flying off the handle, but it's really interesting how like the body just biochemically, naturally, you've got a stressor and then you're different afterwards in terms of how you're operating some of that narrowing or the fight, flight, freeze business. And I recently had an insight. I banged my head on a light fixture that was hanging low because it's supposed to be over a dining room table and I was cleaning up. Anyway, I banged my head and I noticed that even though I understood how that happened and it didn't hurt a ton, my body was filled with all the stress stuff and I was just mad at all kinds of things for the next 20 minutes. And I was like, even though there was not like an issue that I had to to deal with or sort through, it was a very primal thing. Head hurts, feel stressed, now irritable for the next 20 minutes. And I thought, geez, I'd love it if I could just take the shortcut and flip the off switch on this real quick. Okay, so let's flip the off switch and then we'll come back to things that you can do maybe to prevent a reaction. But let's take you at the moment where too late, you're already there. Yeah, whether you bang your head or someone sends you an email that uh, you find offensive. Totally. So if you're already having a, a reaction, what's really important is uh, that that reaction is going to stay swirling around you like you uh, experienced. You have to actively do something to move it through your system. You have to complete the stress cycle because what's happened there is that uh, stress reaction has been activated and then it's doing its job to like swirl around in your body and you have to move it through until its completion and then you can get back to a state of calm. So There's a few different ways that you can do this, especially if you're really in kind of an intensely emotional state like you might have been or if you're offended by an email. Really, one of the best things that you could do is whatever it looks like for you to move it through your system. And I mean, like, you got to get it out, right? And when you say it... Are you thinking, is there like a a biochemical basis we're talking about here, like cortisol or or, or what, what do we mean by it? Yes, that's exactly right. So there's stress hormones, right, that mm-hmm. have been activated because there's something that was out of your control or violates your values or literally is a pain response, right? And so it feels like we're taken over. It feels like we can't control, but actually there's many things that you can do. So for example, each person listening needs to develop their own like personal repertoire of things that you can do to move it through your system. So one thing that's really great, like if you're working from home, is if in between 
like Zoom calls, let's say, is if you can do like a dance break and put on like a rage song and literally just like get it out for two minutes. And I actually, I have for listeners, if you go to inyourpowerbook.com, I actually maintain a Spotify playlist for mm-hmm. different emotional states that will like, and you just like pop in the song and it immediately puts you in the state to dance it out or whatever it looks like for you. Like earlier today, there's a boxing bag in my gym and I went down there and just bruised that bag for just five minutes or also at inyourpowerbook.com, there's there's videos there of where I have these energy techniques where you literally can like push it through. But whatever it is for you, go smack some golf balls, smash pillows, whatever is right. I, I had a client who had a really, really narcissistic boss and just was having uh, really needed to not have her boss's insecurities be moving through her, like taking place in her system. So she went into her car and rolled up the windows and like let it rip with a scream. And she was like, oh, I feel way better (laughs) after this. So like literally whatever it takes for you, especially if you're angry, but you might be in a more hurt or sad or grieving place. That's why, you know, you want a playlist that's kind of right for the moment. But that's really, really important because it brings you back to a sense of mental clarity. And especially when you get back in your body, that's when you like remember who you are, right? Because when you're having that reaction, it's really going to skew and see the situation through an emotional filter. Another thing is you want to have all of these uh, feathers in your quiver is to really allow that emotion to move through you in a way like taking the analogy of like a wave and surf the wave. And we know that the intensity of an emotion only lasts 90 seconds. So if you can allow it to move through you and not act on it, or just know that it's going to dissipate over that 90 seconds, even though it may take a few 90 second waves, but to take yourself out of that moment and to put yourself in the future of 90 seconds from now, or in a few minutes of now, when it will have passed, And do that and to do deep breathing, to reconnect your kind of emotional centers, which have taken you over back with your thinking centers. That's when you can have mental clarity and we can go to kind of our next topic of discussion, which is how do you not see that situation in a way where you take it personally and react? So very, very important to move it through your system until you have a sense of completion Crying is a great example of this, and this can be uh, fraught, especially for women, but actually most women cry when they're frustrated, not when uh, they're weak. And But after you have a good cry, you have that sense of like, oh, I feel different, like I feel better. You know what I mean? I feel in a different place. That's that sense of completion. And always, always after you've moved through kind of a negative emotion, you always want to fill it back up with something that's fun, pleasant, gives you that sense of like you're lit up in your body. And that's why on the Spotify playlist, we also have, you know, like songs that will do that for you within a minute after you've moved it through your system. So these are really good ways, moving it through your system, filling it back up with good, and then deep breathing or anything that's calm that reconnects you with your thinking centers. Mm-hmm. And this 90 second wave is the idea that there will be multiple waves Sometimes, if it's intense, that follow a 90 second arc of peaking and troughing. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it just it moves through you in one 90 seconds if it's really an intense emotion or if you think of the situation again and rehash it in your mind, you know, you might get another wave that gets re uh, triggered. And then there's also a whole suite 
of techniques, mind, body, quote unquote, techniques that have been developed that really help. I mean, ones that I've used and recommended are like tapping, like emotional freedom techniques or havening, or even for people who have particularly intense, uh, like trauma related emotions like EMDR. So there are things, it's the state of your nervous system that really determines whether you're back in your power or not. And so I think this is something that we've all learned in these times is to really prioritize taking care of our nervous system. Well, and I'd love it. So I know it's a little bit about tapping and EMDR. I do not know at all what havening means. And and I think with your strong credentials, I would love to get your hot take on, well, one, what are these things? Two, is the research base pretty good behind them? Or is it way out there and and like question mark? We don't know yet, but some people love it and maybe it's placebo, maybe it's not. Like, what are these things? And and what is the state of, of research on their efficacy? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think these are all techniques that have been shown to help people who are in, especially like intense states of emotion because something has become activated in you, we call it triggered. And these are all techniques and and there's others that work at a physiological level to help you reconnect with a sense of calm and uh, to reconnect your emotional centers with your thinking centers so you can have more perspective and mental clarity. And uh, it kind of de-intensifies the emotion and, and helps you like soothe yourself and come back to a place of safety in your own body, which we don't always feel when we're, especially if you're facing overwhelming stress, it can feel very activating of behavioral patterns or emotions that may be longstanding that you've felt before. And a definition of a trigger really is a situation that in which you feel out of control that you've been in, let's say too many times before in your life. And it reactivates that sense of feeling out of control, which can make people feel unsafe. I think also finding someone who is safe for you, who you feel comforted by, who can hold your emotion with you and not dismiss you or not make you feel bad or less than for being who you are, having the experiences you are, that person can kind of lend you a little bit of the calm that they have in their nervous system and can help to calm you down. That's why we call the parasympathetic nervous system the safe and social part of our nervous system. So these are all things. And I think the takeaway that I think you all want to have is that in those moments when uh, you feel full of pain or just emotion, it can feel hard to think beyond that moment. It can feel hard to remember that you will feel good in you again, or that you can have things that you want or opportunities that you want or success or abundance in your life again. It can feel hard to feel understood or that you can connect with people and feel loved again. And so these are all techniques that take you out of the crunch of that emotional reaction and remind you who you are and enable you to connect so that you can then experience that sense of abundance and infinity, not only just the crunch of the moment. And could you give us the step one, two, three, if I want to do some tapping or some havening or some EMDR, how do I go about doing that? Yeah. So those are all really different techniques and they're all really specific and you could Google any one of them. They usually all start with being in a specific experience that you're having and feeling emotional about it and then takes you through a process of 
dipping your toe in or feeling the feeling that you're feeling. And then through a process of shifting that emotion to one where you can think about it in a way that has more perspective and then starts to calm down your system. So tapping taps on kind of meridian points, EMDR tries to integrate across your thinking and your feeling to put those together. And havening is more just a directly a calming, a self-calming experience where you immediately can just soothe yourself. So they're all different modalities, but all have a similar intent. I remember I met at Podcast Movement, Jean Montrastelli, who hosts the Tapping Q&A podcast, and he was a great dude. And so do I need to be working with a professional to do these kinds of things or could I just Google it and take a crack at it? Yeah, I think it's both actually. I think it depends on how much you're really affected by the stress that you're experiencing, how much it's bringing up old emotions and patterns. I mean, there's lots of solutions that you could use. For example, there's a free app called The Tapping Solution. So this is something like if you're having a little bit more of a mild experience and you want to check it out for yourself, maybe you're feeling a little anxious in a situation, It can you can definitely take yourself through. They have many different emotions. But I would say if, if something's getting uh, re-triggered in you, that's part of a longstanding adaptation or pattern and it's interfering in your life, you're not able to have the happiness in relationships or the success in your work, then I, I would definitely seek out a professional professional who can help you shepherd you through this process, create a sense of safety and continuity in your narrative and work it out really at its foundational level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so anyway, those are responses to acute stuff, but you said a big part of the mastery here is having a, a perspective or frame or context up front so that we don't get hijacked in the first place. How do we build this? Uh, so there are many ways that you can stay good in you and not react, not take something personally in a situation. I'm going to go through a few, but I'm going to start with my go to question. This is a writer downer to like, definitely get your pen or your computer ready. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a situation where it just feels like things are not going your way and you're just like, why is this happening to me? The very first question that you want to ask yourself is, why might this be happening for me, not to me? And that is an immediate game changer. It puts you in control of the situation and points your attention toward what is the learning? What is the opportunity? What can I get out of this or make out of this situation? So just as an example, I had uh, a woman in my group, a next level leader coaching program, and she just got out of a conversation with her manager and she had been passed over for promotion already and then heard from her manager that her manager was promoting someone else who came in after her and isn't half as skilled and hasn't even like gotten kudos from the CHRO, the chief human resources person on all the good like my client had. And so she was like really upset, taking it personally. Why is this happening to me in a funk? And when we asked the question, how might this be happening for you, not to you? She said it just immediately shifted her perspective. And uh, she said she went from victim in the situation to victor in the situation because she really then thought, you know something like this promotion that this other person was just put into, it's kind of like a half step up from a director to a senior director. But 
Nikki, my client, she was really doing work that was like already at a VP level or even above. Like I said, she was presenting to the chief human resources officer and across the board to leadership. And that's what she really wanted and was ready for. And so she came to see it as like, actually, we are not on the same timeline, me and my you know manager or this company. And this is really showing me that it's not even really what I, it's just like a promotion I didn't get, but that I didn't even want. And she started to put herself on the tracks for even uh, more elevated positions, which she got within several weeks from them. So it's just a, an example of like, she would have just really stayed like feeling done to resentful, blaming, feeling overlooked in that situation. But as soon as she asked that question, it was like, it opened up a whole field of opportunities where she had control and she could do something about it. So that's definitely how might this have happened for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then as I'm thinking of, about, generally speaking, so-called quote unquote negative emotions, or, or I might call them unpleasant emotions, what are your thoughts with regard to, we talked about waves and letting them go through us different folks have different points of view in terms of, oh, well, you should just think of something positive and, and change the channel ASAP. Or no, no, these are important messages that you're receiving from your, quote, negative or unpleasant emotions. Don't suppress them, but that what you resist persists. How do you think about this dance and game? Yeah. So I would definitely recommend, number one, like, move it through, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, just move it through, and then you can get back to clarity. And once you get uh, into clarity, then you can start asking yourself the constructive question. You can appreciate that what was causing, usually what causes in a, like a pretty intense emotional response like this is the story that you're telling about the situation. Every negative emotion that you're having, you can always trace back to the story that you're telling about the facts in the situation. So that's immediately an opportunity that you have then to start thinking about the situation in a way that is objective and not subjective. Because usually if you have some sort of a doubt about yourself, then you're going to be looking to people and situations and events that happen in order to decide or get information about how you're feeling about yourself. And so it's going to it's going to predispose you to look towards other people and to make up narratives about what what it means about you. And that totally keeps you out of your power because you're at the mercy of other people and what they do and how they act. So just as an example in this situation with Nikki the story that she was initially telling is her manager doesn't respect her. And then she just was rehashing it in her mind and getting re-triggered over and over again. But when we had a chance to really think it through, I required her to tell three alternative stories about the situation. And that's when she realized that actually her manager wasn't aware of some of the work that she was doing, or maybe her manager was threatened by all the good work and visibility that she was doing. And then to tell the story of like, actually her boss was promoting these other colleagues, but it was into a position that she didn't even want. So you could see that once she was able to get out of that, taking it personally, then she was able to be more objective. And she was like, yeah, actually, I don't think this even is about me. Or if it is, then I have different options in this situation. And so one thing that you want to appreciate is that each of us as human beings is that 
from our experiences, we may have been telling these stories along the way. And Nikki was, and she had a belief about herself that she wasn't worthy, right? Or that she wasn't good enough. And so in this situation, it's like uh, she had this kindling and then the boss's behavior was like a match. You know what I mean? That alighted her kindling. And there she was not feeling respected, not feeling worthy. But when she was able to look at it more objectively, it was like, I don't think really that that's what was going on. And that enabled her to be intentional and to create a new path for herself going forward. And every person who's having a negative emotion can trace that negative emotion to a story that they're telling about a situation. And it is within your power to create the narrative and to tell the story that's going to enable you to show up as who you want to be and make the contribution that you are here to make. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. Well, well, tell me, Sharon, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Well, another thing that I think is very helpful for people is a lot of times I'm hearing people are getting the no or a non-response and it's very irritating. It makes us very resentful, right? And it just makes us feel out of our power and done to. And so before anyone stays in blame and feels like it's not going to work and I just need to leave the workplace or the relationship or whatever it is, I would really encourage you to consider that it may be something about your approach as much as it is about the other person being defiant or not listening. And I've found my clients have just turned around situations when they've been getting a no, when they were able to put things in terms of what's in it for the other person. Like just, just an example, like I coached a woman who came to me, she was in a sales role and she said, for six years, I've been asking my boss for these resources. And you always give the plum assignments to the younger men. And you know what I mean? I'm not doing well in my sales and this is concerning. And I'm starting to feel almost like a negative victim mentality when it comes to him. And I said, all good. I'll help you find another role, but let's give it one more shot in terms of influencing him. And we really, and she said, he's all about him. He manages up. He doesn't care about me. I said, look, wherever someone has a motivation, you can leverage it. So we just, took those same requests and we phrased it in terms of what was in it for him and what he wanted. And I got an email from her like the very next day, you know, tap, tap, like I got every single thing I asked for and more because it was in terms of what was in it for him. So before you feel out of your power and there's no options and you're just all in a swirl and thinking you have to leave, just do a double check and make sure that you've been impeccable for your 50% and you've really thought through how to phrase it in terms of what's in it for them. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, could you share with us a favorite quote? Well, this is a lead into one of the early portals in the book, but I think it's never too late to be who you might've been. Mm -hmm. And that's by George Sanchez, a pen name actually for an early English woman author. Okay. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Yeah. There was a study that was conducted at Harvard. I'm sure that you've seen this, but they took a video tape of two teams who were playing basketball. One team was wearing white shirts. Another team was wearing black shirts. And they had them passing the ball amongst one another and intermingling. Some of you might have seen this because they've, they've done this with hundreds of thousands of people. And during this interaction, there was someone who was dressed up in a big 
hairy gorilla suit who walked right into the middle of this interaction. And this was all filmed. And then they had people watch this videotape and they asked them, did you see the gorilla? And fully 50% of the people was like, there was no gorilla. No, there was no gorilla. Like, stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, stop joshing me. This is like, no, I'm telling you, I was watching. There was no gorilla in that. And they were like, no, really, there was. And like, I'm telling you, literally, they've shown this to like, I think over a half a million people. And so the point is, is that and and they had the people when they were watching the video, they were supposed to count the number of passes between the people with the white shirt. So they were calling their attention to something. And the takeaway here, and they wrote a book about this, is that when you're putting your attention on something, you are blinding yourself really to the whole rest of the situation and what is available to you. And I think that that really is relevant for this idea of being in your power. Because as long as we're focused on like, that person isn't treating me the way that I want, or they're overlooking me, or they're doing something that's making me take it personally, or I'm blaming them and all of that, we're totally missing that in any situation, you have all of this ways of thinking and feeling and solving the problem that if you would just take your myopic focus, you know what I mean, off the thing that you're looking at, you would see that you have so much power in the situation. And this is important for each and every one of you, because when you're in your power, you raise everyone around you. Okay. And could you share a favorite book? I think a great book that's really affected me recently is Be Your Future Self, Be Your Future Self Now by Benjamin Hardy. And he talks about how we're really guided by, we make decisions in terms of wanting to be the future self that we want to be even more than being drawing our past into our current state. And I think that that gives us so much hope and shows us how much power that we have to create the life that we want to live. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah. Well, I think go now to www.inyourpowerbook.com because that's where you can download right away those uh, playlists to help you if you are in an emotional state to immediately move that through and get into a place where you're good in you. And you can also find there the assessment. It's just eight questions that are just going to tell you right away how much you're in your power and exactly what you have to do to get back in your power. And uh, if there's anyone who resonates and really would like to do coaching with me or bring me in to speak, SharonMelnick.com. All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Here's the challenge that I want to leave you with. I want you to reflect and think as you go throughout your day, are you more like the thermometer or the thermostat. If you're the thermometer, you're someone who's reacting to other people and going up and down all day long. You want to be the thermostat. When you're in your power, you're the thermostat. You decide who you are. You control the situation. You bring others along in your vision. And that's my challenge to you. Be the thermostat. Be in your power. You have more power than you think. All right. Beautiful. Sharon, this has been a treat. I wish you much luck and fun in your power. Thank you. I really love what Sharon had to say about letting that emotion wave roll through you. And I found in my own brain with my knack for overthinking things, I tend to get irritated. And then I think about why the thing that's irritated me is total BS and jacked up and I'm right and they're wrong and this is an injustice. (laughs) 
<laughs> and all of that really just prolongs the stressful, angry, irritated, annoyed, offended vibe for longer, as opposed to simply feeling it. You say, oh yeah, that's what it feels like in my stomach, in the back of my neck, on my scalp, in my chest. That's what it feels like in my face. He's like, okay, I'm just feeling those emotions roll through me, as opposed to continuing this internal dialogue about how I've been wronged. (laughs) And I've only done it five times, but it seemed to make a world of difference. And I have a feeling this may be a lifelong practice for me. And I've got Sharon to thank. I hope you got some goodies like that from her and more. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items that we've referenced is over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP835. I hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.